Recorded live. Welcome to Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea. It is spring, May 2014. Creative potential is like a treasure buried deep within each of us that holds quantum possibilities to create infinitely with love, joy, abundance, and in a way that serves the higher good of all. Let the creations begin. Evolution Revolution is focused on offering the listeners both intuitive and balanced information that fosters transformation both personally and globally, ultimately raising the consciousness on planet Earth. Please explore more about myself, Evolution Revolution, Voices of Change, past guests and archives, media article services, and much more at www.dulcineacontreras.wordpress.com and in iTunes by searching under the podcast section Evolution Revolution with Dulcinea, Voices of Change, or just by using the keywords Dulcinea Contreras. Thank you for joining the show wherever you may be listening. Today on Evolution Revolution, I am honored to have an appearance from Dr. Amit Goswami a professor of theoretical nuclear physics, retired the University of Oregon, where he served since 1968. He is a pioneer of the new paradigm of science called Science Within Consciousness, an idea he explicated in his seminal book, The Self-Aware Universe, where he also solved the quantum measurement problem, elucidating the famous observer effect. Swami has written several other popular books based on his research on quantum physics and consciousness. In The Visionary Window, he demonstrated how science and spirituality could be integrated. And in Physics of the Soul, Goswami developed a theory of survival after death and reincarnation. His book, Quantum Creativity, is a tour de force instruction in how one might engage in both outer and inner creativity. Goswami's book, The Quantum Doctor, integrates both conventional and alternative medicine. In Creative Evolution, Goswami presented a resolution between Darwinism and the intelligent design of life. In God is Not Dead, Goswami demonstrated that not only are science and religion compatible, but that quantum physics prove the existence of God. Challenging us to utilize the transformative power of quantum physics to change ourselves and our social institutions, Goswami, in How Quantum Activism Can Save Civilization, guides us into a solution space of the new quantum science based on the primacy of consciousness to broach problems stemming from materialism such as economic meltdowns, terrorism, and global warming. In his most recent book, Quantum Creativity, Think Quantum, Be Creative, just released in March 2014, Goswami explains all facets of creativity. In his private life, Goswami is a practitioner of spirituality and transformation. He calls himself a quantum activist. He appeared in the film, What the Bleep Do We Know?, and its sequel, Down the Rabbit Hole, and in the documentaries, The Dalai Lama Renaissance, and the award-winning The Quantum Activist. Welcome, Dr. Goswami, back to Evolution Revolution. It's great to speak with you again. Hi, Jatsinia. Thank you so much. So how does quantum physics, based on the primacy of consciousness, relate to the creative process? Well, as soon as you hear what quantum physics is about, 
you get the connection. Quantum physics is physics of possibility. In quantum physics, every object is considered, has to be considered as a wave of possibility. It does not begin as the things that we see that become actualized when we observe the possibilities and bring them into actuality by choosing. So what uh, this does, what quantum physics then is doing is giving us the opportunity to realize that moment to moment, as these possibilities become the actualities of our experienced world, we have the choice. We can be creative in our choice or we don't have to be creative. We can choose according to our past conditioning. If we behave like machines, we do the latter, of course, and there is a tendency, undeniable tendency, to do just that. But if we can rise up to the occasion and learn how to make the creative choice, then quantum physics is telling us from the get-go, from the very conception of it, that we have the creative prerogative and we can engage creatively with our life. There are so many possibilities for us as humans when we think from that perspective. So on a simple level, what what is creativity? What is the definition that you use in your new book, Quantum Creativity? Well, I adapted the definition of creativity field researchers. Uh, one of the most prominent researchers, Teresa Amabile, uh, defined creativity as discovery of new meaning of value. And I think that that is a very good uh, definition. We can adopt it a little bit. Discovery or invention of new meaning of value. Um, this meaning and value are the essence of creativity. Um, without this concept, meaning mental concept, machines cannot do it. Uh, and value, which is a spiritual concept. Values really come from the archetypes the archetypes that Plato defined, truth, beauty, justice, love, goodness, abundance, self. These are the examples of prominent archetypes that human beings explore, and that exploration leads us what we call civilization. If we remember this, then we can understand the value of creativity, and also we can understand the value of engaging in creativity in our life. I think it is so important that we creative. Um, as I read through your new book, Quantum Creativity, Think Quantum, Be Creative, I really um, began to integrate a, at a new level, a more practical level, from reading all your past works, which I have done, and they're, they've been so somewhat scientific. This book really integrates the science, especially in part one, but then it goes more into how to apply that and it, it touches upon more of the human application versus the scientific background. So a, a powerful question that came up for me as I read through it was, is it possible that this, this paradigm shift that's being driven by creativity that we're currently experiencing parallels the Renaissance because of our narrow focus on materialism the last several decades? Well, certainly we have lost the uh, momentum that led to things like Renaissance ever since we have given up the uh, integration of science and spirituality that was common to the philosophy of modernism. 
and given up that for a postmodern uh, denial of uh, archetypal values, denial of uh, fundamental truth. Um, in our philosophy, you know, this deconstructionist that took place uh, in the 80s. And um, ever since, we really are suffering from a malaise of badly ingested, digested worldviews. We have a worldview running amok between religion and uh, materialist science, the idea that matter is everything. And that certainly is dampening the spirit of creativity. But you are completely right that we can revive the spirit, and uh, we are rediscovering uh, the importance of quantum physics uh, since the 90s. The, the movement is getting stronger and stronger. And uh, I think in a few decades, we'll have another uh, Renaissance-type explosion of creativity. I think I think that that is so important, and and what I I was um, reflecting on what I've discussed on the show in the last six to eight months, including us um, late late last or actually early last fall, and I was thinking about how we have such a, a creative generation of children that are being born today with all of these exceptional talents, and there are these children that I've been seeing on the show, uh, the TV shows, and and reading in books and even on, on the Internet, these children are exceptionally talented. They're born this way, and by five, six, seven years old, they're expressing their creative talents. Um, I believe on recently on just the Ellen DeGeneres show, they, they said that she is the next Mozart. You know, she is the, the epitome of, of talent within her piano, and she's only six years old, um, this yeah. young woman. And so I was, it was, it was, it's as if evolution has selected for our younger generation to apply these quantum physics principles that we're discussing here effortlessly. And I think it goes to show us as adults who are much more cognitive than children that, that tapping into our creative potential holds limitless possibilities for us to really shift our human script right now, which is so essential. It's needed. It's time. So I, the principles that you've presented here in your book, Quantum Creativity, and in many of your books, it's as if the, the generation that is coming in is applying this organically. It's innate within them without having to cognize. So what, what's your thought on that? Well, I have only very positive thought in this. I think uh, these children very well could very well be the precursor of um, certain scientific ideas and uh, predictions that Rupert Sheldrake and subsequently I are also proposing based on the concept of morphogenetic field. You see, the idea is that if some of us work on uh, developing brain circuits of love and other archetypes in our brain, then um, these uh, through uh, quantum physics, it's such a concept called non-local memory. Non-local memory, memory of learning, uh, it turns out, uh, is recorded not in the physical, not in the brain, but uh, outside of space and time altogether. So these memories, in principle, can be inherited by people in the future. So I think um, this idea uh, that Rupert Sheldrake first proposed in the 80s 
Uh, and then I took it up uh, in uh, my book uh, published in 2008 called Creative Evolution. You know, these ideas are proposing the same kind of thing that we may be observing. That is, these children may directly be the result of people, you know, this work that we are doing today is, did not begin, uh, did not wait for quantum physics to develop and begin now. It has been going on for some time uh, since the 1960s. You know, there have been a sort of an avalanche of new ideas uh, just when scientific materialism was developing and taking over part of the world. But this movement also, unbeknownst to many people, uh, has had an impact. And uh, maybe, maybe, this is speculation, of course. We need to do much more scientific studies before we are sure. Maybe we are uh, the indigo children and children that you are referring to. Maybe they are already getting the benefit of people who have developed uh, circuits that give rise to non-local memory that these children are inheriting, literally. So this would be a um, very, very good field of study, and uh, we are in sync with the idea. It's 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 so fantastic to read it as an adult, reading through your book and reading some of the um, <laughs> the examples that you gave about discontinuity and the creative. It, you, the chapter is is creative insight a quantum leap, and you went through example after example of people, Tchaikovsky, Pete Shelley, and others who have come across their creative. Um, gold, I want to call it, <laughs> their creative juices have flowed through these experiences that you describe with quantum physics. And I, I found it so relevant to my personal experience, and I know we've talked about it in the past, it, it's such a, a neat neat process. How were you able to how were you able to come across all these examples? Have you been collaborating and tracing this throughout your process? for all these people yes. throughout the last years? Yes, you know, I combine, uh, combine several hats in my uh, enterprises usually. Um, so uh, I have been doing research on creativity ever since the 1980s. Uh, initially, um, I was still working at the University of Oregon. So uh, how does a physicist work on creativity? So I teamed up with an educationist named Nora Cohen and um, very soon a behavioral psychologist and an anthropologist joined us, so we had a group of people. Uh, we went on for, for, um, for years, uh, for like 10, 12 years with this group, had regular meetings and uh, much data, a couple of conferences we put together. So um, we, did, we did a lot of uh, studying of the data. Uh, I met some uh, great creativity field researchers like Howard Gruber. So that was my preparation uh, for my book that went on in the 80s and 90s. Um, and the data collection today is um, continuing uh, again with the help of uh, other people uh, sometimes. Sometimes I myself go into the journals and look for um, all the stories of different people, that anecdotes that get published uh, in the literature. 
so you know it's it's a, it's a, it's a interest of mine it it's an interest that never ceases how do people creative people work and at the same time i am very curious about my own process so you will find my own uh, creativity stories um, also in the book uh, spread around various places whenever appropriate so um, yes i uh, have been uh, very involved with creativity for a very long time. I found that that to be such an interesting point for me personally as I read through the book because I myself experienced my, like the, the uh, for instance, Evolution Revolution, the radio show we're on today, how that came into fruition <laughs> for myself was very parallel. It started in July of 2007 and in August I had another experience and then in September I thought I was going to launch it, and I had another experience. And then four weeks later, I had my first show, and it, it evolved from there. It really came into meaning in October. So it took three months for me to articulate it, but it was huge glimpses of awareness that allowed me to create a ground, and then I built the next level and the next level, and then we went ahead and launched in October of 2007, and then here we are seven years later. Um, still, still, still manifesting and creating. So it's it's very exciting, and I particularly found it interesting that you touched upon dream creativity in that chapter because I personally experienced dream creativity also. And you went ahead and mentioned the chemist who discovered the periodic table, and I thought that was so profound. How it just goes to show that dreaming can also and has also shown in history to be a very powerful creative source when we tap into it Absolutely. and receive it. And, very... and moreover, moreover, you know, these dreams are uh, one available tool for virtually everyone. And if we knew how to have better dreams, if we learn uh, what kind of dreams signify that you are blocked in the processing of your meaning, and what to do about the block, how to clear it up, how to clean up the unconscious that expresses itself in the uh, dreams. Um, these things today are at our hand. We know the answers to these questions. And uh, that's what really um, enables me to make the bold proclamation that creativity is no longer a mystery like it used to be. We know how it works. We can teach it to you. Just become interested in the fruition, creative fruition of your life, tech charge. So, you know, it is such a big advancement in knowledge. We don't have to grope in the dark. We don't have to say vague things that we just pick up things from the dark caverns of the brain as a uh, Time magazine or Newsweek article recently claimed. Um, these are just uh, completely useless pictures, you know, uh, dark caverns of the brain. We don't even know how the brain works. Uh, how do we how do we get any handle by using such vague imagery of anything? But no, creativity is not like that. Quantum creativity is telling us the stages, the process, how to clean up the unconscious, how unconscious processing works, do we, do we, do, the process, main process, creative insight, how to manifest flow experience, uh, high experience, all of the accompaniments uh, are being explained, and uh, the bottom line is this. Everyone who is interested can do it. 
I think that's so important. We have to start teaching our children that so as an adult, as a, it needs to be incorporated early that we're all capable. We all have the equal ability to and potential to create. There are no humans with advantages. It's just a matter of using our individual creativity optimally. Yes, using our individual creativity. And, um, and the readiness will tell the story. The point is that people who want to be creative have the ammunition to be creative, have the training to be creative, have the talent to be creative. That's all you need to know. Uh, other questions are either, uh, like, you know, why are not some people creative? Well, creativity is just not aroused their curiosity. They're not ready yet. So for them, the question is irrelevant. If you have the question of creativity you are asking, then know for sure that you already have the requisite talent requisite preparation. You just have not found a match yet between what your talents are and the field in which you should be active. And the, and the book, the research, our research is telling you exactly what kind of thing you can do to find out about a match. So in the, in the beginning of the book, you um, mentioned some real simple but clear and I think pretty essential points you in a figure you distinguish the ego self from the quantum self which is something we all encounter in our process of creativity and as a human being so what do you find what do you find that most people encounter with understanding the difference between their ego self and their quantum self well um, the best case is to experience it once in a while, you will find that in some intuitive moments, uh, when your mind is free to explore, you get into an experience with yourself and with nature involved. That can only be called a flow experience. Things all of a sudden are not what it seemed to be so concrete. The usual concreteness disappears. Instead, things become a flow as if you are effortlessly partaking in it, you are effortlessly participating in it. In those moments, if you watch, you will find that you are using your ego, certainly, because ego is giving you the expertise, to giving you the language to express what you are experiencing. So if you are a poet, you can write a poem in those times effortlessly. If you are a musician, lyrics flow from you effortlessly. If you are a lover, those, those times you feel like you can love everyone. And uh, if you watch carefully, then you notice this is because the ego is receiving something from what only can be explained as beyond ego, for which you don't have much explanation, for which you don't have much words to express it. But you can express it vague words like, I became one with the universe. And that little oneness that you experience also from whose from whom you receive the juice, this joy of flow. That is the quantum self. We sometimes routinely feel this when we play uh, in a game, or even when we play banter with friends. All of a sudden, we are joking around, and all of a sudden, it becomes a flow of just, just mutually having fun. And in those moments, just notice there is the ego, which has become a participant, then the other participant, that is giving you the feeling of that spontaneity, the joy, that's the quantum self. 
So uh, quantum self-experience, um, the most obvious in this flow experiences. The other occasion is also very pretty, pretty much obvious that this is not the ego, but these moments are very fleeting moments, very hard to catch initially. These are called moments of intuition. Sometimes you will see that in the event of the day, certain events will take place, and you will develop what you call yourself. You, it's in your own label. Everybody labels it like that. That I have a gut feeling about this particular thought. I have a gut feeling. You don't know where the gut feeling came from. That the gut feeling is about, you should follow this up. This is important. You should follow it up. Although it does not make much sense, rational sense, but still it is telling us something important. That kind of gut feeling. And, and uh, what you are witnessing yourself is that you had an intuition and then you give a thought to the intuition, but the thought may not be very accurate, the addition of the intuition that came to you. And this is a difficulty. Our mechanisms um, don't always cooperate unless we develop a sensitivity to the intuition. We don't always um, get the uh, kind of accurate expression of what the intuition is about. But we get this gut feeling. If we follow it up with the creative process, then that gut feeling leads to a creative product eventually. So following up the following up the intuition with creativity, that's when we are following up the summons from the quantum self. Intuitions are summons from the quantum self. Um, some people are calling it the attractor principle. The archetypes are attracted to us, so we intuit them, and uh, they are fleeting moments. Uh, if you are too preoccupied with the ego. We, we, we don't get anywhere. But if we loosen the, the preoccupation with the ego a bit and pay attention to this intuition, we can catch the invitation of the archetypes. If we join in, then we can make this gut feeling into a full-blown creative product, be it outside, outer product, or be it inside, a change in myself. I think that is so important to mention intuition, and I think that as I read throughout the book repeatedly from your story in the beginning to the other um, examples that are abundantly throughout the book, it has shown that our intuition is such an important role in creativity, and then you integrate that with the archetypes of love and beauty and truth, and that really just leads to the result of a very powerful creative outcome in the quantum process and it's so rewarding when we have experienced that and I'm sure that is clear for you in your new book Quantum Creativity, such an exciting book. I find it very, very exciting and I love the the practical applications of it for us personally as readers. So I think another important point that I came across that, that relates to what we were just talking about is because quantum processing includes thoughts outside of our consciousness and includes unconscious processing, how does the, the, uh, the addition of conscious plus unconscious benefit the creative process? This is the key question. So, um, you know, when we look at processing from one level, which is how most people look at whenever a work is presented to them, whenever a task is given to them, we are limiting ourselves. We are limiting ourselves to thinking one alternative at a time, because we can only test out one alternative at a time, you know, for, for all practical purposes. We can, we can, of course, both 
posit divergent questions, you know, some people think this is a big part of the thing, but divergent questioning uh, eventually has to lead to testing, and that's just one by one. There's no other way of doing it in, in practice, in one-level thinking. So uh, very limited. Whereas what happens if we allow the unconscious two-level thinking, and uh, this has been clear uh, even to psychologists without the benefit of quantum physics for quite a while, the unconscious can admit many uh, different uh, thoughts at the same time. But why that was not so clear? Now that it is clear that unconscious consists of quantum possibilities for consciousness to choose from, it is becoming clear. How? If you throw a pebble in a pond, you see water waves. What is the predominant characteristic that charms you? It is that the water waves spread out. The crest lines become bigger and bigger circles around where the wave was first created. This is the key. So what does it mean that when we create a, a possibility, a mental possibility, a new possibility of meaning by our thinking in our unconscious and then don't do anything about it, we don't deliberately think, we don't consciously think, it goes in the unconscious and there what will it do? It will grow like a water wave grows in the pond. It will grow, reaching more and more and more and more, encompassing more and more possibilities to choose from, becoming a very big possibility pool. The pool will only be even bigger by interacting with other waves of possibility. That's where divergent thinking, that's where the power of divergent thinking comes in. Because you did not converge too quickly. You allow divergence in your thinking. Therefore, all these different thoughts will interact with each other in the unconscious, producing even more possibilities. We call it an interference phenomenon. Waves interfere with each other, producing ever more possibilities. In particular, if there are conflicting meanings that you have injected. In other words, you have not, you have not rejected anything. You have put everything in the fodder, even thesis and antithesis, in the language of the philosopher Hegel even thesis and antithesis, a truth and its opposite. When you do that, the uh, stuff, the father really starts developing many, many new possibilities for uh, consciousness to choose from. And this is not your ordinary ego consciousness. This is consciousness as the ground of being. Ancients used to call this God. This is where God enters. You have invited God by your processing, by your unconscious processing. And God chooses. God's power of creativity is much greater than the ego's power, if it had any, uh, of, of doing anything. That's obvious. So that is the creative power. And the, the creation is of a gestalt that gives you the new answer to the problems that you are seeking. The crucial point to recognize here is that this is not just uh, preparation, a lot of divergent thinking initially to initiate the process in the unconscious and then unconscious processing, it doesn't quite go that way. Because the point is that uh, the unconscious does not have focus. It's the conscious processing that has focus. So if you allow the unconscious to become too unruly, if you uh, get the time of unconscious processing uh, too long, then the focus goes away. Other things enter and uh, you lose control. So the way to do it, 
is what I call do be to be do. You do some focus doing, and then uh, alternatively with it, you do some relaxed moments. In those relaxed moments, unconscious processing happens. And so this alternative doing and being, this is the key. So alternative focus doing and then just relaxing. Do be, do be, do. And then uh, the gestalt becomes obvious to the quantum consciousness that is processing it. And that's how we get to the creative moment. That's how we get to the quantum leap. It is continuous thought that comes to us with a surprise, which enables us to call it an aha experience. And then we just manifest. Then we just manifest the idea that comes with the surprise, the idea that gave us, gave us so much certainty that we can follow it up, however hard that is. And that's the process of manifestation. So creativity has this uh, really four, uh, with two nuances, uh, four stages that we usually mention, preparation. The middle stage is called incubation, unconscious processing. We can now call it quantum unconscious processing because it's a purely quantum process. The third stage is a sudden insight. We can call it a quantum leap, like an electron jumps from one atomic orbit to another. It never goes through the interfinite space. Quantum leap. Jump without going through the interfinite space. In this case, jump in thought without going through intermediate thoughts. It's not like algorithm. It's like one thought and then completely disjointed thought. That's following it without any reason, without any seemingly any cause. But actually, you have chosen it. That's the cause behind it. That's what has given it structure. That's what has given it newness. That's what it has given it certainty of excitement, of solving a problem. And then uh, manifestation. So these four stages with the two nuances. One nuance is that you begin with an intuition. You're following up the intuition. And the other nuance is that the preparation and incubation has to be alternatively applied. Do, be, do, be, do. That's it. That's the creative process. <laughs> You've captured it well in, our, in that answer. And also in your book, Quantum Creativity. Think quantum, be creative. So something I'd like to touch upon that you mentioned that I thought is, is important. So how God, quote unquote God, is involved in the creative process is is by acknowledging that he or she, that there is consciousness in the ground of being while you're manifesting. Am I clear? Yes, because the the unconscious in the quantum recognition of it, in the Freudian, in the union work, the unconscious is left very vague. It just consists of our own repressed and suppressed emotional memories. Or for Jung, it was a collective suppressed emotional memory of the entire people, entire species. So um, their, their picturing is just about something that already did take place, although it could be something very general and therefore very helpful, but it is about past, about past memories that have been suppressed. So that was the only unconscious they could conceive of uh, in psychology. But in quantum physics, our unconscious now has not only this suppressed, repressed stuff, but in addition, completely new possibilities to explore. This is what the power of quantum physics reveals itself. So once we recognize that unconscious is not only our personal, collective, suppressed, repressed stuff, but it is also entirely brand new stuff that we have never explored before, 
that we never have in our memory. Then we realize what creativity consists of. Creativity consists of getting completely new ideas and then expressing them in what is already known. So this is why Rodinand Tagore, uh, a great poet, uh, who wrote a beautiful line, which is that what we do is seeking the unknown within the known. We seek the unknown, we experience the unknown in that uh, creative unconscious processing, and then the insight comes and we express it within the known, what is known, what is our, in our expertise. So it, it gives ego a role. It also gives the unknown, the totality of consciousness which processes the unknown, which only can process the unknown. The ego can never process the unknown by definition. It's only God in us that processes the unknown. So in this way, we recognize that creativity literally, literally is a play between human and the divine. But the divine is not separate from us. This is where religions go wrong. They think that the divine is separate and it's God's gift to us. And in that kind of thinking, we, don't, we feel sort of secondary because it's God's gift to us. Some entities, some, we personify God and we get sidetracked. And we try to please God, or we try to, try to uh, bribe God and, and, and think that that will be enough because God is just God's gift. No, it's not like that. It's God within. Mm -hmm. It's our own uh, higher state of consciousness. And therefore, we cannot bribe it. We cannot do anything of that sort. Instead, we follow a process. So I think that the, the big, the, let's go big picture here. So we've talked about all of these concepts and processes and manifestations. So what are the benefits of quantum creativity individually and collectively? Okay, so the benefits are, are enormous. So if you are looking for making real changes in your life, the benefit, benefit to um, people in their ordinary life, this needs to be recognized first. You know, we get too lost in terms of talented people and how they create music, how they create new science, how they create new paradigms of art, you know, all this. This is important, of course. Uh, civilization depends on some of that. But civilization even more depends on people like Mahatma Gandhi, people like Mother Teresa, uh, people like St. Francis, people like Jesus and Buddha, of course, and Moses, and all these leaders, spiritual leaders who created religions. Um, it depends much more on them because it is them that teaching us really how to live life in a new way. We cannot imagine the, um, the amount of violence that existed few thousand years ago, you know, before these people, Moses, Buddha, Jesus, Socrates, Plato, all these uh, people, the rishis of the Upanishad came about. You know, we have no idea. You read and then you get a feeling of, you read some even Roman history. You read that, you get an amount of cruelty that existed. It's, it's astounding. And from that, we are here. We have changed so much. Even women don't have to be so afraid anymore uh, when they go outside without a man's support. Uh, this is unprecedented in, in human history. So um, how did that come about? It came about because of the work of these people not because of the work of outer products, however much they elevate the art and, and literature and music and all that, but their impact on the civilization is actually relatively minor compared to the impact of these great people who gave us 
the concept of love, how to love. We gave us the concept of justice, how to be justice, that fairness is important. Today we are being fair even to the last bastion of unfairness that existed towards the gays. Where did this come about? Where did this come about? You, you think that just because, well, Christianity has an overt antagonism towards the gay, that religion did not play any role? No, it's that religious emphasis of love that eventually liberates us. Yes, Christianity overtly has made a mistake uh, opposing gay liberation and opposing gays, but that, but that should not stand before us in judgment because Christianity, after all, is basically a religion of love. So by emphasizing love, eventually that has freed our mind towards fairness to everyone. So in this way, in this way, uh, one has to recognize the contribution of these spiritual traditions. And when we begin to do that, the urge grows in the ordinary people that how do we become spiritual? How do we grow personally? And this is where quantum creativity makes the maximum impact. How can we change, become active, creatively in the quantum way. You cannot change without the quantum. You know, we have very powerful organizations like Alcoholic Anonymous to deal with uh, alcoholism, for example. But if you take the success rate of alcoholic, alcoholics to really recover, you find that you know, without some outside help, it cannot be done in the ways that even such powerful organizations, they are very helpful, but it, there is a limit. You always have to provide outside help. Can we help an alcoholic to really recover? Yes, you can, by quantum healing of addiction. And this quantum healing depends on the creative process. Similarly, how can you really love uh, a person? You are having difficulty in your relationship. How can you really love that you are free from all the antagonism that comes from having personal difficulties in relationship? Can we overcome this uh, hatred that is built into our brain circuit, this violence that rages against another person? Yes, we can. Creatively, we can experience love and build a brain circuit of positive emotion in our brain. This is the greatest impact that quantum creativity will play in our society in the 21st century. 21st century is going to be the century of the archetypes. Not only will we engage in society with more justice, fairness, but also with more love, more beauty, more truth, more abundance. You know, uh, this is the thing that uh, I make a great point in the book. Creativity can be applied into business and economics, and that will revolutionize our thinking about what abundance really is about. Self, psychology, the subject of psychology will be revolutionized completely because people will more and more engage in self-help with occasional help from the psychological expert, but not seeking uh, relief from pathology, but seeking uh, advancement in positive mental health. This will change society in unprecedented ways. So um, the impact of quantum creativity on society, mostly brought about by inner creativity. At the same time, outer creativity is not to be neglected because we are entering a new paradigm of science, we are entering new worldview, and we need outer creativity to solve environmental problems, especially global warming, and especially the economic problem. And so outer creativity will be important in those very new areas and will not need too much of the old expertise because the old expertise is not useful anymore. 
you have to develop a new ways of manufacturing anyhow, uh, that will also require creativity. So it's very good time for engaging both in outer and inner creativity. And quantum creative will be, will be the essential tool for both. I think that is such a, a valid point, and I think <laughs> you're so powerful. In the book, um, you, you presented a great list of how quantum creativity could be a benefit, and I thought, wow, this is definitely going to shift academics. And when you just right now touched upon psychology and how, how, in, how much that will be impacted, I personally experienced that when I was doing research in college in psychology. Uh, I went to a conference. Um, in Phoenix, Arizona, and presented our research. And the keynote speaker was basing the research on authentic happiness. So that's already occurring, and that was 10 years yeah. ago. That's already occurring. Mm-hmm. It is already and, occurring, and it will get only more forceful as the ideas behind uh, authenticity in living, ideas behind what's the difference between happiness and pleasure, the quantum ideas, and you know, this. this Understanding these concepts from base level up is very important. We have made some basic mistakes thinking mistakenly that the world is Newtonian. We have to correct those views now. We have to correct the view that everything comes from the brain. It doesn't. Brain is just an instrument to manifest consciousness as best as can be done at this point. Neocortex does it better than what uh, a single cell can do, even what complicated animals can do. The advancement of neocortex certainly is a welcome, welcome event. But still, it only makes a representation of what consciousness is able to do. The real potentiality of consciousness still depends on the power of consciousness itself and the power of the mind, power of the vital energies, and the power of the intuitive archetypes that consciousness uses in making the representations in the brain. Yes, we have a job too. The manifest being has to make new representations in the brain. That's our job. And then we do it in such a way that it becomes established outside of space and time as non-local memory so other people can uh, use this memory that we create today in the future and change the world even further. So exciting. It's such a great time to be alive and on the human journey. So we're speaking with Amit Goswami and talking about his new book, Quantum Creativity, Think Quantum, Be Creative. You can find more information on the web at www.amitgoswami.org or www.quantumactivist.com. Very exciting. So there's another important point that I found uh, came across as I read through the book. And you mentioned several times values and archetypes. How can we as a society teach values and what is the important role of values such as love, beauty, truth, goodness in the process of quantum creativity? Well, um, as we have emphasized, I think, almost throughout this uh, wonderful interview, we, we, we did great today, Dalsinia. I, I felt I felt like I'm in a flow with you in, in talking, which is which is always the best indication that we ourselves were creative during the during the process that we are participating in. So, how can society start teaching values? Well, look, this value education was being done by religions before in the society, and and however much you 
talk about limits of the religion. Agree, religion has done a bad job in representing God as a person, not as this uh, uh, unit of consciousness uh, beyond ego. And so religions have made some major mistakes in popularizing, no doubt about it. But they still have consistently taught values like love, like justice. These things are fundamentally taught by religions. As religions uh, lost their grip on society, as we become, as we lost our respect for religion because of become increasingly aware of the simplistic nature of their picture, we also lost value education. And surreptitiously and unknowingly perhaps, I'm not, I'm not saying deliberately anybody cheated anybody, but surreptitiously and um, often uh, unknowingly, uh, what happened was that the scientists of materialism, they became too enthusiastic about the completeness of their knowledge and started teaching elementary school kids that everything is atoms and molecules and there is no room for values. All values are relative. This undermining the uh, absolute nature of values, namely the archetypes that Plato defined, they're absolute truth, they're timeless truth, there's timeless beauty, there's timeless love. This timelessness is very important. Buddha's love was not different from uh, Mother Teresa's love. Jesus's love was not different from the love you and I can participate in. This is most important to recognize. Love is timeless, it's an archetype. When you lose the archetypal nature, it's most obvious uh, what has happened to the archetype of truth. Because uh, scientists are saying that truth is relative. Look at what they have created. They have created Fox News. Fox News is not a creation of Fox News people. They just saw the advantage of truth being relative and therefore started saying that, well, if truth is relative, then we have every right to uh, stint truth in the way we say it. And therefore now there is a liberal truth and there is a conservative truth. And we battle constantly because we believe that truth is relative. And newspapers play along, foolish as they are, simple-minded as they are. They are not willing to even go to the internet and type the word truth. And they will, they will encounter uh, work like mine and others who are saying that, no, look, these scientific materialists have made a very poor premature judgment on the basis of very incomplete work in denigrating the timeless nature of the archetype. So that is the, that is the biggest uh, really job that we have before us to reestablish value education in our schools. And along with that, the creative exploration whose importance has to be re-emphasized that the fundamental creativity is about exploring the archetype, not just about solving our problems from what we already know but solving our problems, never losing the perspective, that our perspective is to bring the archetypes to better and better representations. If we change society according to what the archetypes demand of us, that we demand become more loving, more just, more capable of seeing beauty, more capable of seeing abundance, not only just material, but in abundance of our mental, vital, intuitive wealth, the more we develop societies in the archetypal direction, the more civilization progresses. And this is the intended movement of consciousness. This is the purpose of the human life. When you recognize it, 
will be okay. One of the first stages has to be value education in elementary schools. So I think that was a very important point that I, I found, and I really appreciate your overview of that and, and really adding the importance of really becoming a better representation of archetypes in addition to creative exploration. I think that that is so important. And I look back to my own childhood. I was reflecting while reading, and I thought, well, I went to a Montessori school that really promoted my my inner creative exploration mm. and also my environmental. Mm. And then I was thinking about learning values. And then um, after Montessori school, I went into a Catholic school uh, for my elementary years. And I was I was taught values through a religious um, medium. So for me personally, it was a very unique integration of Montessori plus the religious background where I was able to integrate the importance of both. But I was looking at our standard system from what, what do most children experience, and I think that it really lacked that balance of exploring in a creative way within oneself and in the environment in addition to promoting the importance of love and truth, particularly truth, um, beauty, goodness, being kind, those assets that will take a person throughout their life in a much different path and a much different avenue and a much higher awareness, really creating, as you mentioned, that better representation. So I think that that's such an important step for us as a society that we need to really look at. Very, very good. So we're speaking with Dr. Goswami about his new book, Quantum Creativity. You can find him on the web at www.amitgoswami.org. Only when creativity is merged with the quantum possibilities can we begin as a human species to tap into the limitless possibilities available to us to experience positive transformation. Creativity is the driving force for a paradigm shift. Therefore, it is essential that human beings embrace their innate, God-given ability to manifest and express themselves through the infinite portals of creative expression. Begin today tapping into your inner creative and you will soon discover new facets of the truth of who you eternally are, such as love, beauty, abundance, peace, truth, and harmony. The applied value of this higher consciousness is unveiling the hidden treasure that can foster a more balanced expression of the human being, both individually and collectively. Never before, the possibilities for humanity have been so clear through creative expression. What a wonderful time to be alive. Please join me in the future on the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution as well as in the Evolution Revolution archive shows with inspirational authors that can be found in iTunes for any time listening by searching in the podcast section, Dulcinea Contreras. Happy listening! These archive shows include amazing talent such as Neil Donald Walsh, Barbara Marks Hubbard, Barbara Han Clow, Dr. Amit Goswami, Gary Zukoff, and Linda Francis, and many, many more amazing and talented authors. Please share Evolution Revolution with others who may desire to join us for an enlightening experience, and be sure to connect with me on Facebook via the Evolution Revolution radio fan page 
using keywords Dulcinea333, and on Twitter, both Dulcinea Contreras and Evolution Revolution Radio. You can also find several of my book reviews from authors who have appeared on Evolution Revolution and Voices of Change at www.goodreads.com using my name as keywords. Thank you for joining Evolution Revolution today in the spring of 2014 with my honored guest, Dr. Amit Goswami. Thank you, Dr. Goswami. Another fantastic conversation. Thank you, Dalsinia, for having me. Much gratitude to you for listening and supporting the revolutionary independent production of Evolution Revolution Radio. I wish you all abundant peace, joy, miracles, and love today and always. Goodbye.